Hello and welcome again today to our next encounter special. Um, by the time you go through the Sunday school lesson, it'll be the second week of Advent. So when we've had Thanksgiving and all that good stuff, preparing for Christmas, I hope families are well and, and all that. We're going to talk a little bit about it today, but hopefully this year is a little different than what last year was, and we'll get into that. Um, again, welcome to Reverend Becky, because that's amazing. And uh, so anyway, a uh, new lesson or a new quarter. Uh, this quarter is written by Reverend Kip Rush. He's the pastor at the Brent Haven Church. He's a board of trustees, uh, a member of the board of trustees at uh, Memphis Theological Seminary. And I think it's been the board of trustees on Bethel College as well before. So, but anyway, uh-huh. so, and also is the husband of Jody Rush, our uh, children's ministry coordinator for the denomination or coordinator of children's ministries, I think is the correct term. Uh, so I didn't get a preview video out uh, with Kip. Some of it, Jody's been sick if y'all follow along. And so I didn't want to bu- bug him too much. Uh, so anyway, um, we don't have necessarily a preview and I don't have uh, interviews with him like I did with Derek in the past, but um, that's okay. Cause we got Becky. And so that's all we need. So um sure but um (laughs) just by way of introduction our uh passage is ezekiel 37 it's a very popular passage you probably have read it a couple times and the title is can these bones live uh and then i'm just going to pass it over to becky then to get our prayer of illumination and our discussion question and get us started well hello everyone let's have our prayer for illumination today Ever-living God, your word goes forth, bringing life wherever it goes. Quicken our minds to receive your word faithfully so that we might experience the abundant life promised in your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And today, our memory verse comes from Ezekiel 37 and 14. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. Our additional scripture for today comes from John eleven twenty five through 26. So our introduction, Chris, yes. what'd you think of our introduction? Um, so I really did appreciate the introduction because like we had, um, you know, me and my wife were talking this year's a little different than last year when it comes to the holidays and we're both very thankful, but like Amy has, uh, you know, older parents, one that has long problems, they're going to come over to our house and we're going to have a lot of people over at the house. And so there's a little anxiety going on, making sure that everything's um, going to be well. And, you know, we're going to take all the precautions we can. Uh, But um, I think Kip got to that when, you know, this is a letter of hope to people in dire need or hopelessness, pretty much like a valley of dry bones is not just a vision that that uh, stays in the spiritual realm, but it's a description of the people of Israel, not in their homeland and away from places. And so there's this sense of joy, excitement, but also some kind of, you know, fear, dread, and, and, you know, sometimes you can't help but thinking what's, what's the worst thing, right? Like, so that's what I got with that thus far. Yeah, absolutely. I think, especially as we're entering into the Advent season, when we're looking at a season of hope, a season of looking forward to celebrating the birth of a Christ child. This is an interesting context um, that we're looking at this moment 
in the Israelite nation of, of just utter hopelessness, that they are in exile in Babylon. And to a certain degree, we keep talking about it and Kip discusses it, I think, several times here in this study about how we are in, during the pandemic also feel like that we're in an exile as well. And how does this vision for this nation of Israel, how does this apply apply to our lives when, especially when we're walking through the season of hope? I think that's a really good um, dichotomy to look at during the season of Advent. Really enjoyed that. Yeah. And then as you were talking, I was thinking, so in scripture, in life or whatever, um, there is a, there is this thing about a power of a vision that can compel you forward or to keep you from losing all hope. And so like if when I work with people with addictions, usually when somebody finally kicks an addiction, it's because they think of all the good things that will happen when they're no longer addicted to that. So like, you know, somebody who alcoholic or drug addict or whatever goes through divorce, loses their family, you know, loses their job or whatnot. And it seems like you spiral down, down, down and down. And that sense of hopelessness can push that. But then if a vision of, you know, an unbridled vision of hope can get you, then you can start going forward again. You know, when the vision of hope outweighs the, the self-destruction or or the, Mm -hmm the circumstances around you that's one way to shock yourself out of of keeping going downward anyway but there is there is a hope. yeah there is a hope there is a hope i think he's got a great discussion question that he begins our lesson with and during challenging times in your life like the pandemic how do you connect with your faith obviously ezekiel was very connected as he had this beautiful vision from god um, but how do we, as, as people that aren't given the Valley of Dry Bones vision, how do we connect with our faith during this time of, of just what sometimes feels like a hopeless moment in our lives? He brings it up in the next, or in under the Digging Deeper section, um, when he quotes Psalm 137, first mm-hmm. uh, verses. But the way I connect with God, especially during a hard time, it's music, singing. Um, that's how I, I can turn my radio on or, or just start singing. That's- yeah, I think that's awesome. What about you? I think it's in those quiet moments um, because my my life and my world tends to be very loud and noisy. Um, and grandchildren. Busy, grandchildren and all that. It's in those quiet moments where I can reconnect and just say, God, you know, I just need you to be here right now. Quiet my mind and quiet all my fears and just help me walk through this valley right now, right now, right now, please. <laughs> That's where I, where I can feel God most. It was a great introduction to this, this beautiful story uh, about these bones that are going to live. So let's jump into our exploring the scripture, the historical setting. What'd you get out of this one? So I'll just kind of go through, like, again, the, the historical setting we, we've talked about in the last couple lessons have, have been this either impending exile and doom or whatever and so now we're finally here and and so if you read some of the writings of jeremiah from lamentations or whatever i mean he's deeply deeply hurt uh, along with the rest of his people even though he he has a trust in god he's still hurt right he's hurt yeah um uh, ezekiel sorry last week was jeremiah this week's ezekiel but they're but they're right. they're like, I don't, I don't think a prophet enjoys being a prophet just because they were right and other people were wrong. 
Um, right. That's a really in, good point. Yeah. So yeah. there's a sense in which they're, they're in as much pain um, because it, it hurts to see bad things happen to people when you care about them. And then, you yeah. know, obviously you're in the middle of it too. Um, so it, it's, it's very difficult. Um, and then, um, then he brought up and I, we can, I think you had mentioned this before we got on here. Um, Ezekiel and Jeremiah, they were contemporaries and, and they both, you know, they both had their, um, prophecies of doom and they also both had their prophecies of, of, um, of hope why is it god brought out two people i mean there were time 400 years where god didn't speak a word to the israelites but here you have two prophets speaking kind of the same message why do you have that and and i I think it's because we're all different we all need to be reached by somebody but what do you yes yeah no i totally agree with that i think when we look at the scripture one thing we need to remember is that ezekiel was talking to the israelite nation as a whole Um, that he was spreading this message to the nation that was currently in exile in Babylon, but they would be restored, but they would get to come back to their promised land. Um, Now, that doesn't mean that every Israelite that was in exile um, got to see the promised land again. That just didn't happen, but Ezekiel was telling the nation as a whole, God hasn't forgotten you. God has not left you. God has not abandoned you, that he, he is still here with you and you will be restored and, and come back. Um, so that's one thing that we need to keep in mind when reading this scripture. But I agree. He kept brought out this great point. He says the prophet's messages were given in different ways and to different people, but sought common ground, bringing the people back to God. Yeah. And in all of the Old Testament, look at all these poor prophets. And I agree. I don't think they like to be prophets just because most of the messages they were delivering were not, were not like really exciting, encouraging always. That was like a lot of doom and gloom and drear. Um, but, but there's hope coming. There's yeah, hope coming. So just hang in there, you know, but it was always about coming back to God and how important it was for the nation as a whole to recognize that God was still there, even though they couldn't feel him. Maybe they couldn't see it in that moment that God was still there with them and would restore them and bring them back. And God keeps his promises always. Yeah. And I imagine that they did feel like, you know, the Valley of Dry Bones. I imagine that they did feel like they were just laying there in this terrible place, completely abandoned, completely. Forgotten. They were dead among dead bones, among in a dead yeah. land. There, there was nothing. Yep. There was nothing alive yep. about them. And so this beautiful vision of restoration and reconciliation, what, you know, what a great thing that is for us to keep in mind as we read through this scripture. So um, going on then into that, uh, that one, two, about middle paragraph there where it says Ezekiel is a man called by God and given four visions to share with the people. So I used this Valley of the Dry Bones passage from a doctor at work um, and, and I used it uh, to highlight the dead spirituality of the temple of the temple work but anyway i bring yeah. that up to say the first one's found in ezekiel chapter 1 verses 1 uh, 1 through three fifteen. that's the first vision is uh, ezekiel is transported to the temple in the second vision he sees the abominations taking place in the temple and then um in this fourth is where you read then the the valley of the drop or the third is where you read the valley of the dry bones um 
And so that's how it's set up. And it's, it's like, not only were these people dead physically, but I think Mm -hmm. in in the way this uh, Ezekiel is, the way Ezekiel is constructed, it is a, you're dead spiritually first. It's like um, in the garden of Eden where God says you will surely die. They didn't die physically, but they were alienated from God. There was a death there. There was a break. And so that's what Ezekiel, that's how Ezekiel is constructed. It's saying, look, you're, you're dead. You don't even know it yet. And unless you repent and come back, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna get worse. Sure. And then, uh, but anyway, then on the fourth vision, then you, you have this new vision of it, uh, of a new temple and, and everything. Mm-hmm. So that's how it's constructed. I just yeah. figured I would. Uh, and the Lord coming back and being, being with his people again. Yeah. I think that that goes along with this whole exile theme that, we even talked about last week, how, how you're in God's presence, but then when you're in exile, you're outside of God's presence and how Ezekiel's looking at this with the four visions talking about how they are, they're already outside. They're already spiritually exiled. They just don't understand that they're spiritually exiled. And then they get physically exiled as well. They just continue the exile until they get the restoration. Yes. A good Um, point. When we read through Ezekiel there. Um, let me see if I'm, I wanted to bring up maybe, no, I'll wait till the another couple sections there, but, uh, um, I like Kip brings up that, uh, Ezekiel, uh, puts us in an uncomfortable seat. This is the last paragraph before the discussion questions, much like the old hellfire and damnation preacher reminding his flock, they better get right with God. Um, and I think that we, we talked about it. I mean, that's why it's hard to be a prophet or an apostle or yeah. a faithful preacher. Like, I mean, if you're called yes. to call, call people out, that's one thing. Here's the other thing, though. Don't enjoy it. Again, I don't think the prophets enjoyed making people feel bad because they were terrible. Um, I, I think like uh, as a minister, as a discipler, as a parent, when you come to your children, you know, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. Um, I mean, there's got to be some love in there. And I think that... Uh, that's pretty important. So, and then maybe the passion with which Ezekiel or Jeremiah came at the people of Israel was a direct correlation with how much they deeply loved them and didn't want to see them go through these things. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Absolutely. I think that was always the prophet's hope and prayer is that the people would really hear them and, and turn around before what they knew was coming was going to come, you know, they were hoping, please, please, please turn around and come back to God before you get to that point where God uh, exudes his, what he's told you he's going to do. Yeah. Good point. Anything else in the exploring scripture for removing to digging deeper? I think just, I think we uh, highlight that bottom discussion question. When we hit mm-hmm. rock bottom, where do we get the strength to look for hope amid despair? The people had lost hope. How are they, or how are they doing now? How do you find hope during these times? Hmm. That's an excellent discussion question. I think the people, um, just highlighting that myself, the people had lost that hope. And I think Ezekiel, I hope, gave them a hope yeah. in understanding that God was doing a new thing and going to restore them. Um, for me personally, how do I find hope during these times? I think it goes back to those quiet times that I have with God where I have the reassurance that I am walking down the right path, that I have the reassurance of those times when I'm 
sitting with somebody who's grieving and mourning the loss of a loved one or lost relationship, whatever that happened to be, that that I know that God is still working in their life, no matter what it looks like, um, that I can see God still moving in their life and still doing great and wonderful things, um, even amidst the dark moments. Yeah, uh, that's that's good for me. I, I've said this often. I mean, one of the reasons as to why, I mean, I, now it could be I've been blessed and I haven't been I haven't been hard up for much, many things in life. And I've never been in situations to where, like, I, I would consider myself completely hopeless. But I always when I get in those things, I, I just look backwards and I, and I can recount the times when God was faithful mm-hmm. to get me out of situations where I did feel a little uncomfortable, maybe. Um and then, you know, good preaching and good worship are yeah. these are how I, I remember hope. A couple of weeks ago, the one, the lesson before you joined us, I talked, uh, Derek Jacks uh, asked a question about what's the difference between hope and wishful thinking. And a lot of times we hold on to wishful thinking just because it makes us feel a little bit better. But the difference between wishful thinking and hope is that you have in hope a reason to believe. And so mm-hmm. like at least... We, uh, as Christians, when we look at our, what might be hopelessness, Christ is risen. We, we have a certain hope in that. And because Christ is risen, it's not wishful thinking. Um, now the Israelites, you know, back at that time, I think they could look back on the Exodus and the future promise promises, but, but they could say, look what God did in the Exodus and sustain us. And so anyway, past performance my dad liked to say past performance is indicative of future results. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Sure. That's awesome. Digging deeper, comparing scripture with scripture. He's got some, Kip, Kip you did awesome on this. You got some great stuff in here. Psalm 137. Um, that's a, I love how Kip pointed out in this one that Ezekiel is standing here on the edge of the valley and hopelessness is what he sees. There's no singing. There's no life. There's nothing. It is dry, 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 dry bones. Dry. Um, for for our princess bride fans, uh, he's dead, dead. These people are dead, dead. <laughs> They've done. <laughs> and he's standing there looking over this, um, and yet, and yet, there's life. There's going to be life. What a, what, what a great life. vision. And I love how he pulled Lazarus into this story. Um, yeah, that was really interesting. What do you have on it? Well, I I think the the correlation there is um, you you had said in our previous conversation that um, Lazarus was dead a long time. In fact, the the way that story goes is somebody comes to Jesus and says Lazarus is sick, and Jesus is like ah, you know, yeah, let's just stay here for a little while, <laughs> right? And then. Sure. Um, then he finally says he waits. He's like very intentional about waiting. Uh, mm-hmm. and then he says to the disciples, all right, let's go, let's go see Lazarus. And, uh, they say, well, if he sleeps, he'll get better. And Jesus is like, no, he's dead. Right. Like, let's go see him. Then they get there and, and then Jesus is about to do something. And they say, look, he's been in the grave for, for days, four days, right? Four days. Yeah. Four days. And, and I think, that's the vision that we're supposed to get. The, the two visions we're supposed to get is that God was telling Ezekiel, you are dead. You have absolutely no hope of, of anything unless I do something. And then yes. 
it seems like Jesus purposely waited a couple days, three, four days, just to make the point dead. Nobody's walking out of that grave dead, dead, but now watch mm-hmm. what I can do. Right. Yes. And that's yeah, when Jesus I, says, I am the resurrection and the life. Yeah. And I, and I love that, that he responds with that, that those who believe in me, even though they die, will live and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Cause, and I think we're going to talk about that maybe in the next section where we're talking about the Valley or yeah. that might be the, the end, but you know, life comes and death happens, but there's always life for those that believe in Christ, whether you're dead, dead yeah. or, or just fresh dead, <laughs> there's still, there's still a life that happens and it's only through God that that can happen. Um, he says on the very bottom of page five, they understand that only a power stronger than death can return life to the lifeless. Only God could bring the Valley of dry bones to life. Only yeah. Jesus could have rose Lazarus from the grave. And I think spiritually speaking, again, uh, when you, when you kind of spiritualize this text a little bit, there gets to a point in this vision of dry bones that there's flesh and there's bones are all together but they're still not the spirit. They're still not the breath of life in them. And I think that's that spiritual aspect to which, you know, people, we have living dead all around us, you know, that have filled their lives with purposes outside of Christ and outside of of spirituality, whatever you want to call it. And, and they're living dead. Like only God can give life. You can't Mm -hmm. find a substitute outside of the, you know, the ministry of Christ. And so I think that's important too. I think that's one of the things that, like uh, Kip says on the top of page six, right before the discussion question, breath fills the body's lungs and the valley teems with life. Only God can bring life from death and hope from hopelessness. And I think yeah. there is a sense in which um, we, we can substitute and find life in a lot of things up until it's not right. And then, right. Yeah, you know. Absolutely. So are we going to pull another show into this? Can we call it The Walking Dead? The Walking Dead. Dun, 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 the, walking dead. the Princess Bride and The Walking Dead. <laughs> and The Walking Dead. <laughs> wow, man, we're pulling Molly in today. That's awesome. How about learning from scripture, the witness of the church? Man, Kip really hit a home run, I think, here. He's got some excellent points. Um, um, go ahead with uh, with yours. Yeah. One so, that I have from this. Some some of the great things that he talks about, I think, through here is how, well, he says in the second paragraph, we are given a unique glimpse of where God is in the midst of our darkest moments, be that in times of death, pandemic, or just the times when we feel all hope is lost. Um, I think this is a really good point because he also talks about somewhere in here that we don't we don't often talk about this, that it's we like to talk about our mountaintop moments right. and the great things that God has done and the amazing things that have happened in our life. But we don't like to talk about those dark times, those times when, when we felt hopeless, when we felt like there was just nothing for, for us anymore, no future, no life, no nothing. And yet when we can look back, like what you're talking about earlier, when we look back, we can see where God has done things before in our life. And we should know that God is still doing great things in our life. Um, and we grow. This is the times, in, it's in those dark valley times that we grow, that we mature as a Christian, as a human being. 
Um, and we don't often like to, we don't like to talk about that because it's kind of depressing. It can be really depressing, yeah. but it's really important that we, we have those conversations and you have a choice. You can either grow through it or, or not, you know, I, I hope more people do, but um, he says on the top of page seven, he says, we've been wrongly conditioned to think we're alone in the darkest moments of our life at the lowest points that we feel abandoned. And Kip tells you here that some people get angry with God. Some people plead with God. Some people turn away from God. And I was reminded of a couple of great stories in my life. Um, one was um, a, a family member of mine and they lost their home to burglary and arson. Um, it was right before, I think it was Christmas of 17, their home was broken into and I think they lit like eight fires in, in this person's home and they lost everything. Um, and with that, not, thankfully that, not their lives, I recall the family members, none of, nobody was home. Um, but then they had to, to move in with other family for a year or so while their home was being reconstructed and dealing with insurance and construction companies, whatever. And during that time, they got angry with God and they really turned away from God um, because they did feel abandoned and they did feel very hopeless in those moments. And then I know somebody else that they lost their home as well, not to burglary and arson, but to a house fire and literally lost everything that they owned. Um, she barely escaped with her life, um, but managed to get out of the house before it went up in flames. And yet her choice was to turn into God. Um, and turn into the hope that God offered, thankful that she was still alive, um, but just grateful and thankful and, and turning into God. So it was, it was an interesting, when Kit brought that out, both those stories just kind of jumped to my mind. It was an interesting dichotomy of how in hopeless moments, you can either choose to turn into God or choose to turn away from God. Yeah, I, I guess I jumped the gun a little bit, middle of page seven. Uh, Kip says he brings up in that paragraph how uh, there's one more thing you must have is the breath of God, right? And life mm -hmm. isn't complete without God. So yeah. I guess I, that has to, that has to, I, I say that to comment on your story. I mean, like there has to be a sense in which, um, you know, the person, your family member who's turned away from God, this, this is probably not a, a complete turn away. It's a, it's a miss. It's a not understanding how, why did this happen and all that good stuff. Yes. So there's somewhat of a, I don't know. There's somewhat of, I guess, an act of faith there that yes. you, you choose that God for whatever reason allowed that or whatever, but he's still with you. Right. And, mm -hmm. and making things good. So I don't, I don't know. I'm reminded of a story that you know my kid uh, i'll consider this uh the middle kid uh he was just being terrible in school and just terrible in life right and took away an xbox for like a week and you'd have thought he was exiled right like valley dry bone sure. he was dying um, yeah. anyway that caused us to have some conversations and he was really frustrated at me because he wasn't doing the things that he wanted to do which is play on an xbox all the time but you know i, I I've said before family, I think family should be a sacrament marriage and kids and all that jazz in the Protestant church. But anyway, but I remember telling him, look, I know this is tough, 
you've just got to trust me that what you're going through now is going to be better than, than if I let you keep doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, I think when you're in exile or when you're in the fire and you lose everything, I could imagine how frightening that would be is if you didn't think God was with you, but sure. Yeah. And, and I, that's what I told Mark. So I'm like, you know, I'm with you here. Family's here. It's not like you've lost everything. You're just frustrated right now. It's going to be better. And, and that's a small mm-hmm. thing. I get it. It's not the same as being in exile, but even it doesn't matter if you're, if you're in an unknown place, if you're in an uncomfortable place, you'd like to have somebody with you. Right. Like, um, and I think yes. that's what God promises through the prophets. Like, not only are you you're going through bad things, I'm still here. You're not cast out. In fact, I'm bringing you back. It's just, you've got to learn something right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really good point. Cause that's, I'm sure how the Israelites must have felt yeah. at that time when Ezekiel was presenting this vision to them, you know? Yeah. You feel like you're dead right now and, and, and God's been you, but he's not, he's, he's still here with you and, and you will have that restoration. And it's so important and um, Kit points out middle page seven, he said, friends and family who support and encourage us are important in our most trying times, but we must also remember that life comes from God. Yeah. And I think, so we call ourselves the body of Christ a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Cause that's what sure. we are. I mean, we are the hands and feet of Christ. So like when people are going through things, we are anointed, we are sent, we are ordained to be with people. Yeah. And uh, that's not, that's, like, um, Kip brings up a really good story uh, with one of his parishioners. Um, yes. And uh, anyway, parishioners going through a bad, bad time. Kip ministers to her and she says to him, I'm dumping a lot on God at the moment. Um, Kip responds, I understand. Um, then she says, God listens really well, but doesn't give me answers very quickly. So I may be talking to you soon. But for now, I need to be here. And I think that's that's what uh, the dry bones is getting at. I mean, like in the sense of we can be hands and feet of Christ. We can comfort and minister. And that's that's no small thing. Right. That's not like a, that's not God not caring. That's God putting us in the place of, of a need so that he can work through us. But ultimately, uh, again, as I've told my children before, um, don't seek to live to make me happy, seek to live to make God happy. I mean, God's ultimately yeah. the one that's got to be the healer and God's got to be the, the, the one who, who redeems mm-hmm. and, and cares and all that good stuff. So, um, I think that's a good, that's a good, good story from Kip on that one. Yeah, it really was. He said that it was a beautiful picture of faith and man, I, I that is a beautiful picture of faith of just knowing that God is listening in, in your moment of, of agony. Um, but also recognizing that God doesn't always give the answer quickly. I think that's something in our culture, especially, um, we want answers like right now (laughs) we're always in for, well, give me an answer, but give it to me yesterday kind of a thing. And recognizing that sometimes the answers don't come quickly for a reason that there may be something that we have to learn, that's something that we have to walk through, but also knowing that God is there with us as we're walking through it is so important. Um, And if you can keep that in your mind, I think sometimes walking through the fire is a little easier. It's not comfortable. 
it's not fun. It's yeah. not, you know, something that I'm just jumping up and down to do every day. Um, but recognizing that God is there with me as I'm walking through this and asking God as I'm walking through this fire, what is it that I need to learn right now? What lesson are you trying to teach me? What is it that you're trying to show me? What, where are you trying to mature me so that I can be helped somebody else who's walking through that fire at that moment uh, or going through a similar situation or circumstance? I can think of a lot of times in my life that I was walking through a terrible, terrible, terrible valley, only because of my own choosing um, or really bad choices that I, I made at that moment. Um, but how much God has used those moments so that now in my role in life that God has called me to, I can minister to others who are walking through a similar fire or, or a similar situation or circumstance because Ah, yes, I remember that road. <laughs> and I didn't like it when I was there either. But let me help you now um, in my position. And so sometimes when we can look at life that way, um, it makes walking through those valleys a little bit, maybe a little bit easier. I'm not going to uh, say it's fun. No, not at all. I, I wanted to, this probably be a good place for us to, to start wrapping down. Uh, Kip, quotes Dr. Barbara Brown Taylor mm -hmm. and says, I have learned things in the dark that I could never have learned in the light, things that have saved my life over and over again, so that there is really only one logical conclusion. I need darkness as much as I need the light. Um, and then Kip kind of ends our lesson by saying, so maybe these moments offer us an opportunity to remember that God walks with us in them. God does not desert us. Thank God we're never left alone. Like, right. I think that's what you were trying to say in that. Yeah. And, and we do, we learn stuff in, in the hard times and, and it makes the good times better. And, and we're, we're more wise and, and more sure. compassionate and we have more tools to yes. help others in these times, but yeah. So hopefully absolutely next week, um, it turns a little less dark. We get to Isaiah and come to the waters and everybody come on. This is, so, so we're getting out of the valley. Yeah, man. You know, the prophets, like we said, they're kind of Debbie no, no, Downers no. a lot of times. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, it's like you said, we got to go through the things to get to the other side and to be formed mm -hmm. and shaped to the, to the you know, image of God and, and to learn. So what you got, Absolutely. what you got for just, us to depart? I really want it. He lists so many great questions on the top of page eight that I really encourage you as a leader to, you know, if you don't have time to go through these with your class, yeah. but really think about a lot of these questions. Um, these are really important questions to ask ourselves. You know, how do we deal with those dark moments? Can we name people who've helped us through? Um, what is it that God has done for you? in your valleys so that you can turn around and help somebody walk through their valley. Great things to think about as we, as we go through the week and as we look at this lesson in Ezekiel and bring encouragement and hope to maybe somebody else who's in a valley right now. That's what I got. Sauce. Becky, wonderful to have you. This is Thank so you. much more fun. I uh, really enjoyed this. I'm so glad that I uh, get the opportunity to be back with you. All right. And um, I guess then next week, 
uh, we'll hit on, like I said, Isaiah chapter 55 and, and heading toward Christmas and all the good things that happen. But now may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you, turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.